Hey, everybody, it's Stephen Schleicher. I'm asking for your help for something very important for our good friend, Rodrigo Lopez. Rodrigo has written a book. Rodrigo, you've written a book. I did. I wrote a book, man. It's called The Tale of Tallest Rabbit. What is what is Tale of Tallest Rabbit about? Is it about rabbits, right? Uh, partially about rabbits, yes. Um, the Tale of Tallest Rabbit is actually the story of a uh, young girl named Monique who finds herself surrounded by talking rabbits. And because of the way she wears her hair and because rabbits are not very smart, they just assume she's a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is this is total fantasy world, right? It is. It, it's all yes. one story. Uh, it's actually it's one overarching story and has a lot of smaller short stories as kind of we learn what this world is about. And actually, um, basically, storytelling saves the day more than once. Ooh, awesome! So this is a this is a book for anybody, or is this for like older adults, or is this for young kids, or? Uh, this is a book, uh, as far as reading level, I would say eight and up, but okay. this is a book that um, if you read it to a younger child, I think they would greatly enjoy. Also, I think, you know, there's a, uh, I've shown this book to a lot of people and most of them are people who are 20 years old and up. Um, most of the people that have read any of the book and they all seem to really like it. I think there's a lot here for adults. You know, as far as, mm -hmm. you know, structure and kind of a few references and things like that. Okay. So here's where we need our listeners' help. This book, The Tale of Tallest Rabbit by Rodrigo Lopez, comes out on January 12, 2016. Now, that may be in a couple of weeks or it may be tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this uh, uh, release. But what we want you to do is we want you to head to Amazon.com on January 12th and order The Tale of Tallest Rabbit. Here's why we want you to do it on January 12th. A million of you all go in on January 12th and you buy this book. What will happen is Rodrigo's book will skyrocket in the selling list. And the higher it gets up on that list, the more people will see that, the more people will buy the book. And that will encourage Rodrigo to write even more books. Is that right, Rodrigo? And that is correct. Look, if you have enjoyed Rodrigo's storytelling in top five, if you've enjoyed his stories in Critical Hit, if you've just enjoyed his general stories overall, I think you uh, will enjoy The Tale of Tallest Rabbit. It looks like a lot of fun, and, and we want you to help out by buying this book on January 12th, 2016 at Amazon.com. You can get it in two formats, right, Rodrigo? That's right. You can get a physical copy for about 13 bucks and you can get a um, or you can just get the PDF or, or the Kindle version for about five bucks. Also, I'm pretty sure it's going to be available at least in Europe, um, but I have to like check some toggles and stuff uh, to see if it'll be available in other regions as well. Worldwide. Come on, everybody. Let's help out Rodrigo. Go buy The Tale of Tallest Rabbit. It's coming out on January 12, 2016. Head over to Amazon on that day. Mark your calendars now. Buy the book. Make Rodrigo even more famous than he is. Let's encourage him to, to write some more books. Let's game the system a little bit over at Amazon. We've learned this from our good friends, Brian Brushwood and Justin Robert Young. With your help, we can do it. And uh, we can see the Tale of Tallest Rabbit up there in the uh, top 10 list, hopefully. Sounds good. Come on, listeners, help us out. Thank you so much for your time. Rodrigo, anything else you want to add? Um, yeah, pick it up, read it, enjoy it, uh, rate it. And uh, definitely, uh, if you like it, uh, Fearsome Critter on Twitter mm -hmm. or uh, Magic Turtle on Tumblr. Let me know what you think. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. 
Thank you so much for your time. Good luck, Rodrigo. Let's send this book to number one. This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans just like you. In this issue, twas two days before Christmas and all through Stately Spoilers Manor, not a creature was stirring, not even a spammer. The stockings were hung by the oh, chimney no, with spammers care. Around. In the hopes that I'd give up on the poetic conceit and also Star Wars. Plus your questions, our answers, reviews, news, at least one juicy comics rumor, and the kick-butt poll of the week. So grab your eggnog, settle in for a long winter's nap, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the rooftop. Click, click, click. Welcome to issue 656 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening and being a part of um, our second to last show of 2015. Deck the halls with Yeah, it's mighty quiet around the Major Spoilers uh, HQ this week. Rodrigo is on his, uh, you know, seasonal hibernation. Hibernation, yeah. He's gone to sleep with the others. And Ashley is in Kansas of all places. Actually, I think this afternoon they were still in transit, but yeah. Oh, were they? Okay. I thought that I yeah. saw them having a Burger King somewhere at a at a thing. I think that was Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I guess Stark is pretty close to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So that's where they are at. And of course, we're snuggled uh, all deep in our uh, basements. <laughs> I'm actually. While visions of comic books float in our heads. Oh, visions of Star Wars float in our heads. Hey, let's get to some news, Matthew. Star Wars <laughs> breaks all records. And I got it. I mean, this was sent to us by Disney um, Monday morning or yeah, late Sunday, early Monday morning, where mm-hmm. they're talking about uh, Star Wars. The Force Awakens has the biggest Thursday preview gross with fifty seven million dollars, biggest Friday and biggest, biggest single day gross of one hundred and twenty million. And that, I believe, is domestic. Yeah, that's all domestic box office. So that's not worldwide. It's the mm-hmm. first film ever to post a single day over one hundred million dollars, which is. I need to put a little asterisk by that one and also the 120 million. So let's put asterisks by that fastest film to 100 million and 200 million dollars. Biggest December debut, nearly three times the previous record of 84 million. The biggest IMAX Thursday night preview, the highest theater average of a, of a wide audience at 57,000 per theater average. Wow. And then, of course, they came out on Monday, mid morning Monday saying, oh, we actually broke the highest grossing a uh, box office debut of any movie in a single weekend at 250. What is it? 257. Let's see. Oh, uh, $247 million is how much it made over the, the weekend, which wow. beat Jurassic uh, world, which had had a 230 million, something like that opening weekend. You know, the, we haven't, we've talked about this before on Zach on film mm-hmm. and you know, when it's Saturday night and you're hearing that, oh, um, Star Wars has made two hundred million dollars. 
in a couple of days. And it's like, well, Sunday isn't even over yet. And how can you start announcing all these things before, you know, you start counting receipts on Monday? And it's all an estimate kind of thing that they that they work for. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I hear late Sunday night, early Monday, all the trades are like, well, no, Disney didn't break the the Jurassic World numbers. And then just before noon, Bob Iger, the president, comes out and says, oh, yes, we did. We've counted them all and they're in. I'm like, <laughs> for some reason, and this is why I put an asterisk by all these. For some reason, Disney has so much riding on this. I have a feeling that they went out and they purchased all the remaining tickets that they could to <laughs> bump it over the top. Oh, that seems I, if kind I of were Disney, but theory. well, it is kind of conspiracy theory. Yes. But if I were Disney and I had, you know, I just spent four billion dollars on a franchise that over the weekend or over the next couple of weeks will bring in half of that that money. Um, I would go ahead and dump another ten million dollars. I mean, all these other people are doing all the advertising for Star Wars, including major spoilers, because we keep running their stupid trailers. Right. Um, but. I would go out and dump another $10 million to push us over the top in hopes that at that uh, publicity and everything would raise our stock prices. Hint, it did not. Um, but I don't know. It seems rather odd that they're like, oh, no, we finally got in the uh, the takes from uh, Kansas and that pushed us over the edge by $11 million. Woohoo! We're number one. Ah! I don't know. It seems a little weird. But hey, congratulations <laughs> to Star Wars, right? I don't think it's weird at all. I don't think anybody expected it to be anything less than some sort of record. Well, see, that's what I'm saying, right? If it had, if it had come in and said, oh, well, we didn't hit the hundred million like we expected we would. And originally come um, Saturday morning, they were only saying $90 million, that it only made $90 million on on, uh, Friday. And that was the day they were expecting it to make $100 million. And then suddenly, you know, Monday morning, it's like, no, we, we hit a hundred million. Um, I don't know. It seems weird. It just seems like too many people had a lot riding on this and Man. suddenly it did break all the records at the last minute. I think you have too much faith in the the uh, preliminary numbers being oh, right. Believe me, if you want to, there is a great piece over at filmmakeriq.com where he goes into talking about how they tabulate all these things. And some of it is easy to tabulate in this day and age because it's all electronic and all they have to do is um access the central database to find out how their movie is doing. But there are some movie theaters that are out there that are not part of this database system where you still have to call in every night and tell them what your box office receipts were. And then uh, you have to send in those receipts, which may not line up to what you called in with the actuals. So yeah, there's a lot of weird, crazy stuff going on with that, Mm. but still, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. You don't trust people. I, I actually, I, which is I weird because you, I mean, you have almost an unshakable faith. I know the in weird the, thing, these predictions and things, but no, it's then not when they actually, when they, when they actually come through on the predictions that they predicted, you're like, well, this seems fishy to me. No, no, no. For me, it is. I have, and this is the weird thing is I have a lot of faith in people. If someone came up to me and said, Hey, Steven, I'm Matthew and I need some money. I would be like, Sure, Matthew, I have faith that you're being honest in telling me that you need some money and I'll be happy to loan you some money. That's not true at all. <laughs> no, I honestly would. I'd be like, OK, yes, fine. But then somebody goes and ruins it for me. Right. So it's like, oh, I have faith that all people are telling me the truth and people in, at heart are good in their intentions and everything that they do. And then some jack wagon comes in and ruins it all for me. And knowing that there's PR and stock and all this stuff tied up behind these announcements. 
it feels odd that it had this come in at the last minute and said, oh, yes, we did cross that line as opposed to Sunday night. Oh, yeah, we crossed that line by a long shot. I've been burned by liars before, namely J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Let it go, man. Benedict Cumberbatch was con and it's fine. <laughs> well, he technically wasn't con, but still. He was con. It was. Um, yeah, so the most interesting part about all of this was that not the entire world, the, the entire world did not get a get, did not get to see Star Wars. In fact, China does not get to see Star Wars until January, which they estimated would have been an additional 90 million dollars added on to this bill, which would have crossed them over that line easily on that first weekend of five hundred and twenty four million dollars made worldwide. Right. Um, this movie that opened in Japan or in China, though, uh, what's it called? Mojin, M-O-J-I-N. Mm-hmm. It made $90 million. So it's like, hey, how much money would Star Wars would have made if it would have opened in uh, China? $90 million. We'll, yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. I found that very interesting. And one other bit, um, both the combination of Star Wars and Avengers Age of Ultron Push Disney past the five billion dollar mark for the first time in in one year. Wow! As far as movies made, or as That's money's ridiculous. made. That's a ridiculous. Isn't that amount. weird? I mean, thinking about that much money. That that much money is meaningless. I mean, there's no way to even fathom that kind of calculation. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, hey, can I pay half the electric bill now and half <laughs> later? And it's not even a heavy month for electricity. Yeah, no, not with the 70 degree uh, weather of uh, 529 million is what Star Wars brought in. Marvel's yeah. Avengers Age of Ultron was 1.4 billion globally. Pixar's Inside Out was uh, 855 million globally. Cinderella, the live action one, 542 million globally. And then Marvel's Ant-Man, 519 million globally. Marvel's Ant-Man. So that seems pretty good for the studio. It seems like uh, they made some wise purchases over the last couple of years. Uh, which uh, which is probably pretty good, considering mm-hmm. that they paid what was it a billion dollars for Marvel and uh, four billion for Lucasfilm. A lot of money. You did not go see Star Wars yet, as of this recording. No, not yet. Why not? But I I have managed to remain unspoiled because if I am going to brave Wanamaker traffic in Topeka, Kansas, it's not going to be. On a holiday weekend. I mean, honestly. Well, there, last weekend wasn't a holiday weekend. I mean, let's, yeah, of course, you can always call Star Wars a holiday weekend. Anytime there's a Star Wars a movie, it's a holiday weekend. The last three weekends in December are an utter cluster schmoz. I had to go out and do some shopping uh, at the local Target. And uh, there there was very nearly violence. I mean, I was ready to start throwing Dusty Rhodes elbows. Why can't you just say, excuse me? Pardon me. I did, and I still got waylaid and bumped into and intentionally elbowed by one old lady. It's a thing. People are off. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll probably. Uh, yeah, but when you go to the theater, they're not doing that. You go in and you sit yes, down and you watch a movie. Is your, they is your, are. They're awful. Is your theater, um, is your theater reserve seats or not? Uh, I don't think it's reserved, no. Oh, okay. But they do have comfortable seats. They have. They have the raisable armrests, so they're not crushing me and everything, which is mm-hmm. nice. I think I think you probably want to. I was really surprised 
and we talk about this on Zach on film. We actually had a very pleasant movie going experience this time around because um, everybody was really polite. There wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there was occasional talking, but it wasn't distracting from the movie. Um, so overall, it was a very good movie going experience. Now, it was packed in our showing. We went to the very first showing Thursday evening. Right. Uh, the second showing at 10 p.m. was not as full. Um, fortunately, those Disney runners went in, bought all those extra tickets and pushed pushed it above eleven million dollars um, because our seats are expensive. That. But sound, no, stop saying. But that. for some people, I think you might want to check out a theater that might have like a reserve seating. We're going to go do a reserve seating uh, show this weekend uh, to see Hateful Eight. And if I want to go pick this seat, that's the seat. If it's available, I'll pick it and I can just go in and I can sit down and I don't have to worry about not finding a seat or not finding a seat that I want, providing that the seat was not already previously I sold. I think you have to go to Olathe for that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you or know, Denver or a bigger city, but I didn't know if Topeka had any of those. So when are you going to go see uh-huh. it? Are you, are you not going to go see it in the theater? At some point. Widget really wants to see it, so I will probably end up taking her at some point. Take her this she's, weekend. Nobody goes to see a movie on Christmas Day. She's flying to Phoenix this weekend. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess she'll see it with Grandma. No, I doubt that. Um, but I think you should see it, man. Do you? I mean, you're a different kind of person, <laughs> and I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people are waiting until this weekend to see it, and a lot of our listeners are waiting until this weekend to see it. <coughs> I intend to see it. But do you get into that? Do you get into that? moment where it's like holy crap this is the biggest pop culture thing that is out there that has happened in probably mm, four years and Uh, i'm i'm delaying that moment to take part in in that no because i can still be as much of a part of it as i need to be because honestly i don't know how much i need to be part I, i built a lego millennium falcon this week i mean that's that's being part of the Star Wars. Uh, my kid got BB-8 socks. That's part of being in the Star Wars. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I will see the movie. And people have asked me, hey, have you seen it? What do you think of it? And when I know, I'll tell them. But yeah, I don't feel like there's really a time frame on things like that, with the exception of, am I going to get spoiled for you know certain plot points? But here's the thing. I honestly think... And we've been really good in all of our discussions, both in this podcast and other places that I've uh, uh, appeared on this past week to where it's like, I really understand that people are going to see the movie this weekend. And there are some major things that people are are wanting to talk about, but we can't. And I have a feeling come Monday morning uh, after this weekend, when the next big wave of people have seen the movie, that it's going to be spoiled. That if you if you tried to avoid spoilers, it's going to be too late somebody unintentionally spoiled something uh on my twitter feed today because they posted a picture of some toys and i was like oh dude that's a total spoiler and uh by monday i think that if you're trying to avoid spoilers it's going to be too late and it's time's up i honestly think that's going to happen and you're going to see the jimmy kimmels and the and the late late shows and all that stuff just start making jokes about stuff fortunately i ignore those yay no jimmy kimmel for me (laughs) When it comes to spoilers, I'm weirdly ambivalent. It depends on the nature of it. And because of the amount of pop culture that we, uh, you know, consume, there are times when a spoiler doesn't really stick with me. Yeah, me too. I've I've read a couple of things and I haven't confirmed them. I've read a couple of things that I'm like, oh, well, if that happens in the movie, that's going to be terrible. Because somebody was uh, one of the people that I follow on the Twitter. Somebody was going and trying specifically to upset her. 
by shooting spoilers at her, weaponizing the spoilers. And I saw one of the things that she had someone had hit her with. And I'm like, boy, I hope that's not true. Well, you can after we're done recording, you can ask me and I will tell you if it is or not. But um, but see, see, that's the thing, though. You're going to come Monday morning. This uh, I have a feeling that Star Wars, it's all people are talking about this week. Gail Simone right now is just her Twitter feed is lighting up about yeah, Star Wars. Like, and she has I have lots of theories about Ray that I'm not going to tell because of because spoilers. you can't because of spoilers. And it's like things that and this is you know, this is one of the different things about Internet culture is that we are so used to and especially with social media, with Facebook and Twitter, we're so used to th- throwing something out into the ether and having people respond. It's a lot different than going on to a site like Major Spoilers and using the comment section where we have a feedback place where people can talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens and totally spoiler everything in there and talk about spoilers and all this stuff in that discussion because we know it's somewhat closed off from the rest of the space if people don't want to get into it. Mm-hmm. But when you just shout it out in the middle of a restaurant, hey, did you know that this happened? I mean, you can't. There are people that are in the corner of the restaurant that didn't want to hear that. Um, well, that's, that's, and the weird thing is, you know, it, when we're in the office, when we're in a physical location, you can go and you can gather around the water cooler and talk with your friends and say, hey, did you see this in the Star Wars and the and the uh, uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father kind of discussions without ruining it for people down the hallway that aren't around the water cooler while you're talking about that. The Internet, though, changes all that and doesn't allow us to have water cooler conversations. Instead, we're on a pulpit shouting in Piccadilly Circus to anyone who will listen or unintentionally listen. And that's a weird thing about spoilers. It's kind of the nature of the beast when you see movies the way that I do. And I expected, honestly, I expected to be spoiled well before now. So I'm I'm surprised to respect the restraint that people have. And there's also the question of, can I avoid it? If I see something and it says major spoilers inside, I can just not read that. So if, you know, if somebody comes at me and throws something at me, that's one thing. And I'll be like, dude, not cool. But it's also I don't think something that's going to destroy my appreciation of it because I don't know. I've never been the immediate gratification guy when it comes to movies specifically. I'm sort of fine with waiting and. If that means that I take the chance of knowing something when I go to see the movie, like I did with uh, Avengers, I finally saw Age of Ultron the other day, and I knew some spoilers about Age of Ultron, but it didn't necessarily ruin the experience of Age of Ultron. It just changed it for me, and it made me go, oh, is this the thing that it's going to happen? Okay, that's the thing. And then I know how the thing goes at the end, and then the end is a thing, and I know that that thing is a thing. So, yeah, I think I saw Ant-Man like, a week and a half or two weeks into the theater and the secret bits of Ant-Man stayed secret enough. So I don't know. There's something, there's something, there's a couple of major, major things in star Wars that I, again, I am very pleased that for the most part, my Twitter feed, people have been very aware of sharing that those bits and pieces of information um, because it totally changes the dynamic of how you have a conversation about star Wars. And I don't think that the lid can be kept on, that spoiler kettle on the stove for much longer. And I think that I honestly think that by Monday morning, people are like, screw the two weeks or it's been two weeks. Time's up. Well, here's the thing. It was the great philosopher, John Dorian, who said juice in the eye is the price you pay for that particular piece of grapefruit. 
So if I get some juice in the eye, I chose to eat the grapefruit the way that I did and not yeah. put on my grapefruit goggles. So, yeah. So, okay, well, um, we'll talk more Star Wars, I'm sure, in the future at some point. Uh, if you War are Star. looking for Star Wars comics, if you're looking for how uh, C-3PO got his red arm, it's in a Marvel comic that was uh, out a while ago. <laughs> Comixology had a big thing this weekend where they were giving away free uh, Star Wars comics, digital comics. Uh, Darth Vader Down, which is one of the new popular series uh, from Marvel, was one of them that came out. And I forget what else they had. They had their 12 Days of, of Christmas. I think it's over now. Um, on the 12th day of Star yep. Wars, my true love gave to me many Bothans die. <laughs> Come on, man. Spoiler. We just talked about this. Damn it. That, that's a spoiler from 1982. You haven't seen Star Wars The Force Awakens yet. Uh, no, so I here haven't. is this rumor, interesting rumor that popped up that I thought we could talk about. Um, okay. It, I don't know. It's a rumor. So take it for what it is. But. The rumor is that DC will take many of its books or several of its books. God dang sites that have these stupid pop-up ads. Me too. Um, hate face, hate face. DC will take many of its popular comics or some of its popular comics and go bi-weekly Double with shipping. them this summer. Double shipping. Two comics mm -hmm. a month. Now, this is, an, is not unheard of. Uh, at one point, it was Spider-Man at Marvel was going three three times a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the internet seems to be mixed on this. On this idea, what are your thoughts of of DC? Let's just pick a comic: Superman, Action Comics, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green mm -hmm. Lantern, Flash, and Aquaman, all going biweekly, especially as we lead up to Dawn of Justice and as we mm -hmm. lead up to those other movies, going biweekly to get people more aware of the comic and buying those comics. Uh, it's a stunt. I think the primary thing you have to remember is when we were kids, Marvel made some splash when they double shipped their books. Mm -hmm. Uncanny X-Men is a monster in the 230s and 240s because over the space of three months, they put out like nine issues. So it's a it's a difficult thing to get. I think the problem that you're really going to see, and I think most people's complaint, is that when you double ship, A, it might dilute the nature of the book. Because if you've got a book that's, I don't know, Scott Snyder and Jock on Batman – and Jock is drawing a book every 30 days, you're going to have a couple issues of Jock, and then you have a couple issues with somebody else, and then you're going to come back. And I, I think it was Kurt Busick today said that what it really does is it, it somewhat devalues the input of the artist because right. the writer is, is writing the book. and The artist whoever, is busting their butt. Yeah. Right. Whoever's available gets to do the next three issues, mm -hmm. or that writer has to work with two different artist teams and then it does change the nature of the book now i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing i think it really does feel like a cash grab especially in a day of 399 books and 499 books and 799 mm -hmm. double-sized annuals yeah that is that's the one that seems that the hardest for me but again as has been shown time and time again and why more people are like hey variants are back let's ship variants is because somebody tried it and everybody bought into it and now it, other companies, other publishers, other people are saying, hey, we need to do that, too. Right. We need to have us a social media presence. <laughs> um, and I, it it's going to work. I mean, if you are it's going to work if you're a fan of that title, if you love reading Batman or Justice League or whatever the books may be. Right. <laughs> having two Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo or Jock books that come out in a in a month is like, yay, yes. Uh, on the downside, though. 
hey, now I've got to take my three ninety nine, mm-hmm. and I've got to buy two Batman books. I right. guess I don't have to buy Batgirl or Gotham Academy this month because I want to get this other Batman book. Right, and that's the point where you're going to see books with smaller actual reading audiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Amazing Spider-Man was coming out three times a month, people were dropping that book left and right. Anecdotes they couldn't keep up. They couldn't keep up because they yeah. couldn't keep up, mm-hmm. and so much story was going past. And we see this with Marvel. The way Marvel ships almost haphazardly. Their arcs, it's like, ah, here's six issues in two months, and now we're going to go monthly for a while, and here's five more issues in two months. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a run where 24 issues of Avengers Forever came out in the space of like 15 months. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does put a strain on the wallet. I think it puts a strain on the audience, and I think that in the long run, what you're going to see is a less committed audience – with more product to try and keep on top of. And I feel like it is going to have a negative effect, at least on the morale, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, of your readers. Well, you know, there's maybe some couple of solutions that I've thought about. And maybe it's time to do this. Maybe it's not. I mean, uh, the bad thing is if we cut back on books like Gotham Academy or Batgirl or, you know, um, I don't really read any other comic books from DC besides the bad titles. No, um, but, you know, Quinn. you cut back on your Harley Quinns or you cut back on your Wonder Woman's books in favor of, hey, these are our top sellers. We need to push them more. You lose some diversity in characters, yeah. some diversity in storytelling and those kinds of things. On the other hand, maybe some of these publishers need to cut back on some of the books that they're offering every month. Maybe they don't have to sell 150 books in a month. Maybe they only need to sell 100 books in a month. So that would be my first thought. But then again, that's at the at the cost of somebody has to stop reading Booster Gold. Someone has to stop reading uh, Dr. Fate. Someone has to stop. I mean, we have to stop publishing uh, some right. of these other books that people truly genuinely love, even though they have a smaller readership. The other thing that I think that maybe we should look at, and it's something we've talked about before, and it's something uh, Marvel is kind of doing is we're going to tell you an arc and then that's it. And then we're going to take a break. So maybe for the next three months, we're going to have Batman every week. You know, it's going to be this uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo uh, Batman every week for three months. And at the end of that, that would be what? 12 issues, nine issues or yeah. Yeah, 12 issues. So at the end of 12 issues, we're going to take a two month break. And then we'll come back with a new Batman number one, new creative team, let them tell their story. And that one will be a new Batman every week for the next three months. And then we'll take a month or two off and do it all over again. Or Mm -hmm. maybe instead of 12 issues, maybe we only put out four issues or six issues. And then we take a, a, a break for a month or two. And then that way we can introduce some other books we can bring that Batgirl book in and let her have a run or a gotham academy book that has a run and then we'll bring you back batman with a new number one and a new volume number Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that i think that somebody said and it was on twitter today which is what tipped me off to this thing is that because we live in this going back to the star wars discussion because we live in this world of instant gratification where a lot of people need to have it right now I need to read the next uh, uh, Superman book or the next Harley Quinn book right now, or I need to consume all of the Jessica Jones series on Netflix right now. Give it to me in one big blast and then 
give me a time, give me a refractory period, give me a time where I can <laughs> regain my energies to dive right. back into this book again. Well, what you're describing is that that Japanese method that yes. we see. Yes, exactly. Where you, you have a big hunk of comics, then you have a break and you have a big hunk of comics. The only thing comics, people aren't talking about is let's. But again, DC has been doing this with their Earth one and Earth two series. Wonder Woman is solicited for December for um, what is it? March. Mm-hmm. These Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman books are volumes that come out once a year. It's a shame they're not any good. <sighs> uh, they are actually. And I'm looking forward to this Wonder Woman one. I think it's going to be really, really good. Um, when it comes right down to it, I think that a lot of the problems in American comics come from the expectation of monthly publishing. The month to month publishing game is a racket and has been a racket for decades. But mm-hmm. what we're doing and what they're doing to try and offset that racket is essentially putting hats upon hats and you know, you're you're building these structures that cannot be sustainable, but you're doing it short term and it'll get you three months down the line and right. then you can come up with something new and something else. And we saw this with Marvolution in the 90s. We saw this around the turn of the century when Marvel almost went bankrupt. We saw this right at the beginning of the new 52 when DC was having a lot of trouble getting readers onto their titles. And so they revamped the whole universe. This is an extension of that. This is a what if the way that we always do it is slightly different in this way. I think that double shipping business-wise is a bad decision, and I think that it might bump sales. But I don't think that it's going to be a sustainable bump, and I don't think that it's going to be a bump that is in the best interest of the creative side of things. Yes, it's a business. Sure, fine, whatever. It's a business. It'll always be a business. But in saying that we're going to double ship this book no matter what, you're kind of taking the it's it's the well, we opposite don't know. approach again. Of this that, is that a, auteur theory. Yeah, this again. is this is a rumor, and we don't know. And the rumor is saying that they're going to do it from July and uh, you know maybe through May through August. Right. You do it over the summer, which is you know traditionally what we've seen. But mm-hmm. it's the opposite of that auteur theory that gave us All Star Batman that nine years later hasn't been completed it's that same thing but in reverse with all-star batman it's the creative is more important than any other thing and the creative went elbonzo seiko and rolled off the rails in issue one and it just turned into a train wreck and then we have this that is kind of the opposite of that where the creative is less important than the frequency and we're going to get you two issues a month twice the batman that you love yeehaw woohoo But then there's also going to be the question of, is it going to be twice the awesome Scott Snyder Batman? Or is it going to be twice the Batman that we had in 2010? The thing is, we've already seen this, though. We've already seen it work over at Marvel with Star Wars and Darth Vader and Vader Down and all these other books. The Spider-Mans, as we were talking about, um, where you've either got a weekly series coming out or you have. And we've seen DC handle weekly series just fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, seriously, with you the, obviously the, don't remember countdown. Uh, well, we've seen them handle. I didn't say that they were good stories and the stories that countdown were flawed to begin with. But like 52 Batman Eternal, Batman and Robin Eternal. I mean, they are cranking out these books on a on a regular basis. Same creative teams. Uh, the art teams may switch every arc or something. But, you know, for the most part, it's it's there coming out weekly. 
So it's not that they can't do it. Um, it's a matter of why are they doing it? And certainly when you look at the, this, this is probably more than likely a reaction to the October uh, numbers where DC was, I mean, just Marvel just steamrolled over everybody and made DC look like a minor publisher instead of a major publisher. And this may be a reaction to that. I don't know. I, I am so far behind on reading Batman. What, what lately what's been happening to me is I am buying the single issues. I subscribe to the single issues. I order the single issues from my, my comic book guy. I've got digital comiXology subscriptions. I've got all of that stuff. But with my time right now, I find that, okay, I've got an hour to kill. I'm going to plop down and I'm going to read me a chunk of flash comics all at once, or I'm going to read me a chunk of Batman all at once. Mm Mm-hmm. And that may happen every couple of weeks. You know, hey, I'm ready for more Batman. Let me read a chunk of Batman or let me read a chunk of Spider-Man. It doesn't matter the publisher. But I'm, I'm thinking that even though they're not saying they want to adapt that, that Japanese model of one giant volume every six months. Maybe they need to adopt the model of one giant model every six months or volume every six months. Mm, I'm not entirely sure that that's going to be. A natural transition that they'd make. Not that they couldn't. I think that they could. And in some ways, it's clear that they should, at least with some of the titles, make that an option. Because we've seen it with trade waiters, people who are Mm -hmm. like, well, I wanted to read that, but uh, not until there was a big enough chunk. But then there's also the question of how do you change a business model that's been month to month for, in DC's case, almost 80 years? How do you change a model like that? slowly and painfully. So the double shipping, I think, is part of the reason why Marvel sales are higher. But you'll also note that what Marvel is doing isn't quite the same. Well, so a lot of the reasons why Marvel ends up with these huge number one books, uh, it was Invincible Mm. Iron Man, I believe, in October and a month or two before that, it was the the Darth Vader book. It's because Mm. they're shipping those as the a book in those uh, in, in the subscription box stuff. So right. you you sell a uh, hundred thousand copies of uh, Loot Crate, or you know three hundred thousand, half a million. I think it's half a million copies. You sell half a million Loot Crates, and you've all got an Invincible Iron Man in there. Well, yep. Invincible Iron Man suddenly sold half a million issues. The number one book, and then issue two sells sixty five thousand. <laughs> is there an answer to this rumor? Is is it is it a good idea, bad idea. Should we just dump? Should we continue with the monthlies? Should we, should we make them all weekly? Should we make them limited run series? I, I, you know, you look at IDW, they do that a lot with their books where they'll have a volume that it's a mini series of whatever. And then it's going to take a break. Rock, uh, uh, um, Atomic Robo does this. I think that double shipping is going to be tough on DC's bottom line because you're doubling your your outlay, you're doubling your overhead, for lack of a better word, which could be problematic. And I think that it's going to be a hard road to hoe. This could be an amazingly successful thing where it's like, hey, new business model, the big titles ship twice a month and other titles ship once a month. But or, with those big titles, we've got enough of a safety net monetarily to support your bizarros and your Gotham Academies and your books that are definitely going to be lower sales. Or as we talked about, was it last week or so you ship your Batman's twice a month and they will support that anthology series of sugar and spike and, and um, uh, whatever the rest of those legends of DC legends of tomorrow book is. Yeah. Anthologies are so hard though. 
I know we talked so, about anthologies, though, but maybe that's how they support the anthology is saying, hey, we get this out there. Maybe the anthology becomes the weekly or biweekly book. Could be. I don't know. It, I, I'm hoping they it's did a, a weekly right anthology now. back in the 80s and it kind of fell apart, too. So. Yeah. Well, um, was it it's Showcase? Showcase was an anthology. That DC had. Where it was like, hey, this uh, these series of books this whole year are going to focus on Batman villains. These series of books are going to focus on, or this next year will focus on, I forget what all the showcase ones were. I know Birds of Prey had a big thing in one showcase volume, and then the rest were, oh, Superman villains, and then Superman um, side characters were all featured in those in that year. I think anthologies can work. People just need to open their minds to it. Uh, so we'll see if that comes true. There has been no official word from from DC Comics. They probably will not make any kind of official word until mid-January if they're going to do it for the summer. Um, because, wait, let's see. March March orders were just due. So that means that, yeah, mid-January, mid-February, we will know if they're going to go bi-weekly for the summer months. Although I would imagine, I don't know, maybe they would start in July, but um, I would imagine we're going to we're going to find out the middle of middle of January if this is true. If they don't come out sooner and say this uh, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can find all sorts of interesting stories over there. And while you're over there, I'm going to ask you to do something for us. I'm going to ask that you click on that Amazon link. If you're making a purchase at Amazon.com, we haven't pushed this too much uh, lately, but if you're going to make a purchase from Amazon, just take an extra moment, go to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon link, and then make your purchase as normal. It's not going to cost you anything extra, but we get a small percentage, and I'm talking about like single-digit percentage, like below 5% percentage of, of those sales. So it's, it, it varies between 1% and 3% of the sale uh, comes back to us, and that allows us to offset server costs, allows us to offset uh, equipment costs, like having to buy new microphones or new servers or whatever that we have to do. And, um, and so it's another way that you can help us out. Another way you can help us out, and I'm asking, I'm going to say, please, 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 and I'm going to... I'm going to continue to push this. And I know people say, uh, quit begging, Steven. It's like, hey, fine. I'm an Internet beggar, right? Uh, I want to make more stuff for you guys. And in order to do that, we need funding for that. Uh, and so I'm asking you to please sign up for a major spoilers VIP. Now, this isn't simply just dumping money into a tip jar, right? Mm -hmm. You are getting something back from your VIP membership. So when you go to members.majorspoilers.com, you sign up for a small amount. I mean, $2, $5 or $10 a month. And for each level that you subscribe at you get access to bonus content over at the site. So we're even generating even more content for you. Even simple $2 a month is getting you access to the flashback podcast that Matthew and I do, where we sit around and we discuss the latest issue of the flash. And I'm going to presume we'll probably be talking about DC legends of tomorrow or something else in the near future as well. Ooh. You know, you get access to character sheets. If you're a fan of critical hit, you get access to original art. You get access to behind the scenes stuff. All when you sign up for that small amount. And I had somebody the other day said, oh, man, I just blasted through 200 episodes of, of this podcast. And I was like, great, you're enjoying it. Yes. And they're like, I can't believe I'm not a VIP. And immediately then went and signed up to become a VIP. Uh, I'm doing calculations right now, Matthew, but you figure we're doing about seven episodes a week. And let's let's put yeah, five. Let's say like let's say let's be a little bit conservative because top five and uh, top five comes out every other week. So let's say we have five originally produced shows that we do every week, Monday through Friday. Five times 50, 250 episodes that we release in a year. 250 episodes released in that year, 
at least an hour, hour and a half. That's what, 300, uh, 400 hours of entertainment. Yes, that's a ridiculous amount. It is a ridiculous amount. And $2 a month could support that and allow us to continue and not have to cancel stuff. So I'm going to ask everybody, please head over to members.majorspoilers.com, members.majorspoilers.com. Sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. You get access to all the cool stuff and you get to ensure that this show continues to remain free going forward. So there you go. There you go. Let us do some quick reviews. Reviews. Why don't you uh, talk about Weird World number one? Where, who is this by? It's a comic. Oh, this is Marvel, of course. Yes. Yes. Weird World is spinning out of Secret War. Is that done yet? Uh, no. But Weird World takes place after it. Oh, thank God. So, you so know, the end is in sight, thing. right? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think they've pushed it back again to December of 2017. Oh, geez. But Weird World number one originally hit my radar because Weird World, uh, the limited series that aired during Secret Wars, brought back Chris Star, the Crystal Warrior. I read comics in 1982. It's when I started getting into comics. And Chris Star, the Crystal Warrior, was kind of the last leftover of the Transformers G.I. Joe, everybody who has a toy gets a comic. U.S. One was a licensed comic. Micronauts was a licensed comic. Zoids was a licensed comic. And Crystar. Weird World number one, however, is a little bit something different. Apparently, after the Secret War, the Weird World, which is a strange alternate dimension, which is kind of smooshed together of several other previous alternate dimensions, is actually somehow in orbit around the Earth. And this story takes place. It follows a young girl who was flying home for unknown reasons, whose plane suddenly crashed, but crashed through some sort of time, space, and dimensional vortex and landed in the weird world where the lost can be found. The lost can be found. Land of the lost. Land of the lost. My lost sock. Those pins. Uncle Jack was searching. No, this is... uh, Well, basically, imagine an alternate dimension where everything is super weird, like ghosts and aliens and fairies and frassums and stassums and hassum frassums. And this young girl who is just trying to fly home to Guadalajara to fulfill a family duty ends up in the weird world and she ends up hooking up with a warrior. And the warrior's now, is this name is a war- warrior or warrior warrior. OK. Go later, the wizard slayer, who's about seven feet tall, and she looks like a cartoon Valkyrie. And uh, Becca Rodriguez, our main character, ends up hooking up with Goleta, the warrior. Goleta uh, carries a sword and kills wizards, but also drives a huge uh, race car with an enormous engine that looks like it may or may not be some sort of DeLorean. Not entirely sure. So it's this weird alternate world of swords and sorcery and alternate sort of Technology and explosions and things and badness. Morgan Le Fay is in this issue. Moltar, who is not the guy from Space Ghost, Ghost to Coast, but the main villain from Crystar, the Crystal Warriors, in this issue. And as the issue ends, we find out why Becca needs to get home, which is kind of heartbreaking. And we find out that there's something weird in the bowels of the weird world. I'm going to say weird a lot because it's weird world. 
Weird World is. Do Marvel. they call it weird? Do they call it Weird World? Welcome to Weird World. Yes. Oh, Galeta actually says this is the Weird World. Weird World is actually an old Marvel property. It comes from the same book that brought us Star Lord from an old issue of Marvel Premiere. And I think it's important to note that it comes from the same book that gave us Star Lord. Marvel is now officially at the point where they're like, hey, this thing worked. Let's try this other thing. I've mentioned this a couple of times doing recent reviews. Marvel is really trying hard to hit the same people who are loving Ms. Marvel, the same people who are loving uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, and giving us sort of that same young protagonist in a strange situation. Don't get me wrong. That's perfectly fine. It's better than the old genius white guy they've been feeding us for the last 15 years. It's something different. And I think this issue really shows them willing to take some super risks. I mean, artistically, it's really fun to look at. Mike Del Mundo handles the art, and it's kind of fully painted stuff that reminds me a little bit of the work of Simon Bisley in the 90s. It's a really well-drawn book. It's got a lot of interesting hooks to it. This first issue, as with many first issues, is kind of a series of unrelated events. Mm. Things happen and things happen. And, oh, my God, she's totally out of her depth. What's going to happen? Ah, and here's a race car. But all in all, it's worth three slices of meatloaf. I would say that Weird World is tentatively something that could be really wacky and fun. It could be a book that becomes like, I don't know, maybe a, a Sandman type book or maybe in a superhero type vein, a book that has that Howard the Duck cred where it's in that mainstream vibe, but it's also not a superhero who goes out and punches things. And like I say, the art is probably the main draw, but it's got a lot of interesting things to it. And the fact that the main character is a, a young woman in a strange situation is nice. It's interesting. I want to see where this is going to go. Plus, Kristar, Kristar the Crystal Warrior. He's made of crystal, and he's a warrior. And his friends Christar. with Mario. Yep. Cool. No, no, you're thinking of Wario, who's Mario's evil brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought you said. Wario. No, warrior. Ah, okay. Warriors! Uh, so that was out, what, last week from uh, Marvel? Last Wednesday, yep. Okay. Uh, out this week from Dynamite Entertainment is John Carter, Warlord of Mars, number 14, written by Ron Mars and Ian uh, Edgington, with art Ron by Ron Mars, Era. writing Warlord of Mars? Yes. Different it's Mars spelling, on though. Mars? Mars on Mars with uh, uh, Medea, what is it, uh, Metal? Is that who that is? M-E-D-E, is that an L? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. All right. So... Uh, this is a weird issue because my fear going into this was, oh, man, we're at issue 14. And even though I'm a big John Carter fan, I have been lax in my John Carter reading. We just talked about that a few minutes, moments ago when we talked about, you know, uh, volumes. But I said, you know what? I'll read this. If I'm in the middle of a story arc, uh, I've got the other issues from Dynamite. I can pop back in and read those, see what's going on. So I have some context. Well, this one starts off with. Uh, with John Carter and Deja Thoris uh, arriving back home to Helium after some adventure that they've just been on. I'm like, hey, this is a great jumping on point. And then they get home and realize that the city is not there. I mean, the city's there, but there's no one else. No living thing is there. And anytime they try to destroy something or move something, it mysteriously resets itself, which tips the two off that they must be in some kind of a dream. 
And so they shocked, them, they shocked themselves out of a dream and they discovered that uh, they had been captured by someone else and who was trying to clone their bodies and transfer their memories in there so he could take all, over all of Barsoom, which is Mars, for those of you who Barsoom. are not initiated into that. And of course, they foil his plan and they go home happily ever after. It's really kind of a done in one kind of story, but I think it has ties to their previous arc. But it's like a really kind of ending moment. And it's a fine book. I think the art is is good. Uh, I think the writing is good. I think the story is good. I don't know if this is a good jumping on point because you're going to go, who are these people? Uh, especially right. at the end when their son shows up and uh, Tars Tarkas shows son? up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And um, so it's What's just like, name? I forget what his name is. Billy Jack, I think is what it is. Little Billy Jack Carter. Billy Jack Carter. Jimmy, um, Jimmy Carter. They call him Jimmy Carter for short. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting book. If you want to kind of know what Warlord of Mars is, I think that this issue does kind of give you the feel for. For the characters and kind of the situation events that they're put in. But it's got some weird context stuff going on in there that you're like, who are these uh, gray ape things? What are these things? What is this guy? Yeah. So then you may be a little lost in in that um, spot. But overall, it's not a bad book. I'm giving it three and a half slices of meatloaf. I know it sounds like I'm being weird about it, but it's like it's it's not a jumping on point, but it does give you a taste and a flavor of what John Carter stories are like so that going forward, you can maybe read more. It's not a jumping on point, but it's not a jumping off point. No, it's not. But it is kind of and it's not even an introduction, but it's a good it's like a snack pack that you get when you go. (laughs) Not even a snack pack. It's like a sampler, right? It's like when you go to (laughs) Matthew, you said you said you went out to the mall this past weekend to do some holiday shopping. So more than likely, you went by the Pepperidge Farms booth where they had a little sampler out there, right? They had the little sampler of the summer sausage, and you probably picked it up and tasted it, and go, oh, that's nice, or one of the little cheese samples. That's kind of what this book is like. It it kind of gives you a flavor for what John Carter is, Mm -hmm. but it's not the complete packaged cheese or sausage or whatever that you would get at Pepperidge Farms. It has a lot more depth is what I'm saying. Read more. Beyond the single issue. Oh, it's a it's a deep cheese sampler. It's yeah, kinda like that. Kinda like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's get on to uh, there are more reviews over at majorspoilers.com. Do go check those out. A lot of good stuff over there. A lot of good videos over there, a lot of good reviews, a lot of good articles over there, a lot of good podcasts at Major Spoilers. If this is the only show you're listening to. Maybe you missed that part where we were talking about VIPs and all these 250 uh, episodes a year that we produce. If you're into films, we got a podcast about films. You want to hear us spoiler talk the heck out of Star Wars The Force Awakens? Go listen to the most recent Zach on film. You want to hear Matthew and I dish on The Rocketeer? Listen to this week's uh, The Rocketeer Goes to War. Rocketeer at War number one from IDW Publishing. You want to hear us talk about The Flash Season 2? It's over there at members.majorspoilers.com. So much stuff going on at majorspoilers.com. We love doing it for you, honestly, and I'm being honest there. Uh, We would not be continuing to do it if it wasn't something we enjoyed. But we are at the end of the year, though, Matthew. We are. And acquaintance be something, something. It's a time to reflect because, you know, when the big fat man comes to your door and is going to give you presents. Big fat man is already inside my door. 
<laughs> Is he stuck there? Nope. <laughs> oh, okay. He sits on my couch. When, when the Santa Claus, the Santa Claus, the Santa Claus comes to visit you, he's going to ask you one question. Have you been naughty <laughs> or nice this year? And you that sure is, of course, the, ask, is it safe? Is it safe to sit on your couch? I don't know. Is it safe? <laughs> I don't know. Is it safe? Maybe he kind of shows up and it says, ho, ho, ho. Now I have a gun, too. <laughs> so, Matthew, Welcome the question the is. Party, pal. <laughs> so the question for this week's major spoilers poll of the week yes. is, have you been naughty or nice this year? Oh, I've been naughty. I put naughty as well. Yeah, and I'm and I don't mean like naughty isn't a risky. Ooh, I'm being naughty, oh, naughty. No, oh, I mean I, I recognize my I, I totally meant that. I, I recognize my failures and I recognize places where I was not the nicest person in the world. In fact, uh Dr. Brad Will and I were just discussing this last night. Uh have I been nice? I try to be nice to people, but I think overall, if I had to be really honest, I would probably say I'm a little bit more on the naughty side than the Dude, nice you side. Cilantro today. No, I didn't. You did. No, I did not. And then you said that I was awful. No, I did not. When did I say you were awful? I don't remember. See? I no. blocked you on Twitter. It was just... <laughs> See, I'm not doing anything, and already you're saying I'm, I'm, I'm being naughty. Now, come on. You That's can't it. be nice. You can't be nice. What did you mark yourself down as? I put naughty. And naughty as in a, I have not been the best person in the world, or I'm being naughty because I think it's funny. I'm naughty. <laughs> no, I think that in the, in the general sense of things, as you go through the world, I actually had a, the other day a, a moment at work where I realized that there's a name for my job, and that name is Compassion Fatigue. I don't think that's <laughs> a job. Compassion Fatigue is not a job title. Oh, if you had my job, it would be. But yeah, I could definitely be a better person. I think that I could be much more supportive and I could yell less at girls in my house. But, you know, the girls in my house sometimes yell back. So it kind of turns into a thing. Plus, I have a cat. That means you're evil when you have a cat. Oh, does it? Well, we have one, too. So see, you're not, evil. By, not by my choice, though. Maybe no. because I didn't want the cat. Does that make me even worse? Yes, that makes you even worse. Probably because it was a rescue cat. cat. I'm not a cat hater. It's just like, come on. I don't need a cat coming in and chewing up my cables, tearing up my stuff, jumping up on a table like I'm in the middle of a Lego build. Like, can you imagine your cat? Maybe your cat did this, Matthew. You're in the middle of your your, uh, (laughs) Millennium Falcon Lego build and you go to sleep for the night and then you come out the next morning and all the the pieces you had left on top of your table are now Mm -hmm. scattered across the room and pieces are chewed on. The little uh, Han Solo figure head has been chewed on. No, I always had to pack mine up. My unused pieces I had to put back in the box because my cat's a chewer. Yeah, see? So I don't, I don't, I don't want to. The cat is nice. The cat's a nice cat. Everybody who comes to the house thinks the cat is nice. Yes. Cat doesn't like me, but that's a different does story. He, does he have little round spots on his back? Because it sounds no. a lot like my cat. No, our cat is one of those orange kind of tiger stripey cats. Oh, one of those tabbies. Yeah, yeah you can check him out if you follow me on Instagram. Uh, Schleicher, I think, on, on Instagram is my thing. You can see pictures that I'll post there occasionally. Of the cat doing stupid stuff. So there you go. Um, Poll of the week, though. It's a holiday season. Not many people have voted. Last week's poll, again, a lot of people voting last week 
and tying things up, which I thought was very funny. Uh, time travel or alternate dimensions. Uh, time mm-hmm. travel won out by 5% of the vote. Uh, Good time if, travel. If you want to go the Clayface Sandman thing, it's still at 4951. <laughs> this week, though, Naughty or Nice seems to be a little bit more um, lopsided. Wide open. Yeah, 60% saying they are nice. 39% saying they are naughty with a 1% variance here and there. See, and that goes back to my whole thing about I tend to look at people as being nice and honest and good people. Mm-hmm. And then the 39% go out there and ruin it for everybody else. <laughs> Just saying you're naughty doesn't ruin, mean. Ruin my faith in humanity. Doesn't mean. <laughs> <laughs> you said Stephen's faith in say jumbo shrimp <laughs> say 39% of the people ruin my faith in humanity welcome to paradox club no wait this is oxymoron club how can that be an oxymoron how can be faith in humanity come on we have the ability no steven's faith in humanity is i have i have a great faith in humanity i'd like to think we're going to make it someday but man we're going to make it someday listeners head over to the major spoilers poll of the week let us know if you've been naughty or nice this year. Use the comments section to justify your answer. Yes, go do that now. Also, <laughs> let us thank tweakedaudio.com for sponsoring. Talk about a longest sponsor. Tweaked Audio has been one of our longest sponsors at Major Spoilers, and I just want to thank them for being a sponsor. Thank them for everything that they do for us, and actually what they do for you, because here's what they're doing for you. They're giving you 33% off their awesome earbuds and headphones and everything that they have at tweakedaudio.com. All you have to do is enter the code MAJOR. M-A-J-O-R at checkout. You get 33% off. I mean, wow. I'm happy to share that information with you. I'm happy to pass on that, uh, that savings to you. And I hope you go and use it because everybody who has used it said that their, their headphones are great. They have great uh, sound design. A lot of people get them with the microphones like I've been telling people over the years and they use them when they're driving and love it. Tweakedaudio.com. Thank you so much for your support. Also, if you want to check out one of our other sponsors, it's been a big sponsor this year, yeah. is uh, Double Take. If you like okay. zombies, if you like the original George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, Double Take has a collection of comics. They're already up, uh, I think, issue two or three. Uh, their issue two is out right now. Three is about to come out. But they have ten books set in the Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. universe. That tells stories of people dealing with this event as it's happening. And they're dealing yeah, the, with it in different places of the country in different situations. It's, it's cool. You can you can click on one of the ads over at Major Spoilers and you can go read the first issue for free. Every first issue is free. And it's, it's not bad. Have you read it, Matthew? A little bit. Yeah, it's not, It's pretty good, actually. In some of them, I'm not not all of them are, are the perfect. But the Z men one, I think, is funny. That one I have not seen. Uh, uh, Remote, which is the radio station one, I think is funny. There's one, and I forget which one it is, that takes place in the grocery store, is funny. Because these zombies keep walking in and eating, like, food Uh. off the shelves and everything. And they're like, "Uh, (laughs) we're closed. We're closed. And so it's it's interesting. Go check it out. It's uh, Double Take. And they've been a big sponsor this year as well. Um, And you've seen their ads all over the site. And we encourage you to click on it and check check out their books. And you can register to read the second issue for free, too. So I thought I should just mention that as well. Uh, This week we were supposed to have an interview, but the person never got back to us. Uh, People have been asking for interviews and doing interviews and those kinds of things. I love doing interviews. uh, But the thing is, if you say, hey, I'd love to do an interview with you. And then you don't respond when I say, hey, are you available on this date and time? 
uh, then I can't do an interview with you. So you should totally interview me. Hi, I'm Matthew for Major Spoilers. Are you going to talk like that during the whole interview? Yes, it's an interview. <laughs> oh, then no, thanks. I'll, I'll get back to you. Uh, so this week we're answering your questions uh, that you have sent to us over the last couple of months. Uh, Adam says, what superhero power combination do you think shouldn't work together? This thought started when I was wondering about Superman's super hearing. He really shouldn't have this. In fact, Superman should not be able to hear anything at all because of his invulnerability. He could take a 20 kiloton bomb to the face and not miss his hair. His eardrums shouldn't move. With hearing working because of the vibrations of the eardrum, nothing but the loudest sounds should even affect him. But what if everything about his ears were invulnerable? Nope. If that were the case, then every time somebody throws fire at him, his eardrum would burn to a crisp. I'm thinking the reason is because comics. What are your thoughts and what are other combinations do you think shouldn't go together? Well, first of all, the little known fact is that everyone in comics is literally shouting at the sound of a kiloton bomb. It just doesn't well, come out in the reading of the of the comic. It does if it's a Deadpool book. Oh, there you go. Um, I think, well, first of all, Superman is a man of steel and steel is an excellent sound and heat conductor. Conductor? Conductor of heat it's conducive and i think that you know steel eardrums could still vibrate and go wah, 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 wah. oh sure you bang something hard so, enough yeah it's gonna vibrate <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah there are a lot of superhero combinations i don't know about shouldn't go together <clears throat> but there are a few that you have to question um like for instance, when Barry Allen started running super fast, they're just like, oh, yeah, he runs fast. And then people are like, what about friction? And he's like, ah, oh, Barry Allen is entirely, he's immune to friction. I, I have a speed force aura. Actually, exactly. the funniest thing, who was I talking to the other day? I don't think it was on the podcast, but someone was talking about uh, the time travel aspect of the Flash TV show really threw them out. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, Barry runs really fast. Apparently, you can travel in time as soon as you break Mach 2, because that's what he's been clocked at as his fastest speed in the TV show. So yeah. it doesn't you make sense. Really you have to run yeah. counterclockwise around the sun, I think is how it Well, works. and also, Superman did not make the Earth spin backwards. What they were showing right. was him traveling backwards in time. Right. Well, and if you look at a lot of the physics behind superheroes is questionable. Firestorm is an atomic reactor, and so he can transform one metal or one right. element into another element. Right. But he can also change the shape. Yeah. And then he can control the items that he's created. So really, he's a reality warper. We've talked mm -hmm. about, you know, the atom. Ray Palmer cannot just shrink. Ray Palmer has to on a limited scale, change the laws of physics in the portion of the universe that he inhabits because he's going between the bonds of atoms. Yeah, that's why they invented the Pym particles as an excuse. There are no Pym particles in the DC universe. Yes, exactly. That's why they had to invent them over in the Marvel universe. I'm not. Uh, no, I'm, I see what you're saying. I mean, it, I mean, all superhero powers do not make sense, right? Right. Uh, uh, Ralph Dibney uh, does not make sense. Okay. He drank soda and it made him stretchy. None of that makes sense, right? So the thing is the suspension of disbelief that you put into your story. You will right. you will enjoy the story until the point where you don't anymore. And right. um, you know, for some people it's like, well, Batman can't do all of that stuff. Well, he can't. 
And then you're like, hey, look, there's Wolverine. He's super awesome. And then but you you will you will go into that as far as you want to go into that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, it's comic books, right? I mean, there there are (laughs) moments where you do have to put aside your suspension. Um, But there's always going to be that moment where Batman puts on an exoskeleton and kicks dark side. Or Wolverine is completely annihilated and and regenerates yeah, from, yeah, a, from single a single drop cell. of blood. Yeah, you know there are a lot of moments in comics that you kind of have to get by on rule of cool, like super speedsters again are changing the laws of physics. Barry Allen doesn't just run fast. Barry Allen basically uh, is a, a living is explanation of causality. Yes, he's a living explanation of fast. He's fast. He's fast. And from the past, not just past, but from the past. No, that's Captain Yesterday. I, I get them confused. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's I mean, I don't know if there's any other combos or that shouldn't go together. But really, in general, the idea of a um, superhero doesn't yeah, Batman doesn't should work. Not exist. Batman should have died years ago. Man, you're just mean. I'm Mark, not mean. Mark no, I'm says, realistic. Yeah, sure. Uh, Mark says, hi, Stephen, I would love a follow up article at some point on the iPad Pro. I'm very torn by this device. I have an iPad Air 2, which I love. I use it only for reading comics. I have thousands of digital comics. I've been reading DC and Marvel in order. I'm currently in the late 1960s. I was going to buy an iPad Pro yesterday, had it on the table at the last minute I hedged. I found out it's very big in my hands. It felt top heavy and I was worried that my digital comics would pixelate at the higher res. I use Comic Zeal. I'm able to increase the size of the page slightly to remove the borders and then lock that view into place. When I read, I feel like I've got a pretty good solution, but can it be better? Thank you for your thoughts. So, Mark, the problem is I haven't been able to talk about it because I didn't have an iPad Pro uh, until someone gifted me, my lovely wife, uh, gifted me the iPad Pro um, as an early Christmas gift like two weeks ago. And I have not had a chance to go through everything about the iPad Pro, mainly because the two biggest things that um, people are using the iPad Pro for, the the, uh, pencil, the Apple Pencil and the uh, extended keyboard cover thing. You can't get a hold of those right now. So I can't really talk about the iPad Pro as an overall device. Right. Uh, And I'm waiting for those two things to come in so that I can do a more thorough review of the iPad Pro. I will say this, and I was going to talk about this on Finally Friday, but uh, so many people call into that show every week, which is a great show. Go check it out. Finally Friday. You can find it on our YouTube channel, Major Spoilers Video. Um, But I did a have a shot, a side by side shot of a page from Gotham Academy on the iPad Pro and a page from Gotham Academy in print. And the iPad Pro, the page is actually about 3% larger, 5% larger than the actual printed uh, material. So that's a plus. And you still get to zoom in and do all the other things that you get to do when you're using your Comixology account. Now, if you're using a scan thing, I can't talk about, you know, illegal comic type stuff. Um, But, um, it works really well for reading comics. And I did read when I got this, the first thing I did, because I got it like a week or two after you sent the email. Um, first thing I did is got Comixology and started downloading some comics to read them. I don't find the experience bad. I do not find the iPad Pro top heavy. Uh, I don't find it heavy at all. In fact, I find it to be comparable to my son's first iPad uh as far as weight goes, which is really cool. Um, But I want to try this out for a little bit more than just reading comics. If you want to buy an iPad pro just to read comics, my suggestion might be go buy a surface. If you're just doing that for digital comics, because it's going to come in a lot cheaper. iPad pros turns out are really expensive, Matthew. And um, 
And so I would say if you're wanting to buy digital comics on something of this size, then a Surface might be better because what are they like four or five hundred dollars for a Surface? And the iPad Pro is a lot more for that. A lot more than that. Well, you, I mean, if you think about it, the the iPads are, you know, in the uh, are about four to eight hundred dollars, depending on the size that you get in the uh, space that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Surface might be better if you're just reading digital comics. Now, if you want to draw and do art and format stuff and and do other things like they claim you can do, then maybe the iPad Pro would be for you. Um, I, I but I can't talk about that because I haven't gotten those things in my hand to use. I will say this. Uh, for those of you that listened to Critical Hit and you know a couple of weeks ago that, hey, wait a minute, um, something's wrong with the episode. It's only downloading the first four minutes of the episode. When I went out of town to go visit my nephew, I purposefully did not take my laptop with me because I was like, well, this is supposed to be a family vacation. We'll go and do this together, a family trip. Mm-hmm. But when people pointed it out, guess what? I opened up my iPad Pro, loaded up, um, uh, go to my PC, and I was able to fix that problem remotely on the iPad Pro. All the little typing stuff that I had to do, I don't think I could have done easily on an iPad. Certainly could not have done it on an iPhone. So from that perspective, the iPad Pro really saved the day there. But I'll give you more thoughts and details as I continue to play around with the iPad Pro. But like I said, I've only had it for a week or so, so two weeks. Um, So um, thanks for that question. Let's see. This is from our Dooling Review podcast. So when we were talking about Telos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who is the heck is enjoying this? Right. This who is this for? Who, who is, is this? this for? Man. And if you're not listening to Dueling Review, uh, go take go take a listen to it. But uh, Sean writes in and says, hi, Matthew and Stephen. My buddy Garrett copied. Oh, copied in this email. Um, right. Get, no, big... Garrett copied. He, he's uh, <laughs> of the Stratford of Unavon copies. <laughs> my friend, buddy Garrett copied. A big fan of the podcast. He told me how about you guys wanted someone, anyone who asked or enjoyed Telos to write in. I'm sure as hell didn't uh, I sure as hell didn't ask for a Telos comic and really began to loathe convergence after issue number three or so when dead red lanterns and characters from threshold of all the things began showing up. Telos was bland and making the bad guy from Warlord the big bad make me want to scream myself hoarse. Uh, that being said, for a number one featuring a character, I did not care too much from a series. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. I was actually pretty entertained with convergence behind him. Telos is more or less a blank slate. Wasn't the best number one this year by a long shot, but it was not terrible. In fact, all three spinoffs of Convergence, including the Titans Hunt tie-in, were palatable mm-hmm. at worst. <laughs> what do you think of that, Matthew? Uh, I think it's definitely an interesting sort of thing. And, you know, I think we may have touched upon that mm-hmm. in the issue is that it really is kind of a blank slate and it's, it can be a brand new start. This could be the next Deadpool. I don't know. I mean, reading the first appearance of Deadpool, it's just an incoherent mess with no background. So this could be something that really makes Telos a great new character. I just feel like it's not necessarily something that's going to grab people because in the issue it said, from the pages of Convergence, you know, it was it was a big deal for this Convergence to carry on in the pages of Telos so yeah i can definitely see his point we appreciate him writing in and uh titan's hunt was actually palatable <laughs> i uh i didn't read telos past the first issue so i couldn't even tell you if it's going on anymore me neither that, that, I don't that, know that whole convergence is. thing just set wrong with me yes i like the ability so the question i then have matthew is now that mm-hmm. there's a lois and clark which mm-hmm. means a separate superman have the two supermen right. met 
No, the originals. Well, as of issue one, I don't remember if I read issue two as of issue one, the original Superman has been watching in the shadows and watched the formation of the new Justice League with the new Superman in this world and was about to get involved when the League came together and defeated Darkseid. So basically what this is, is Dan Jurgens 90s Superman existing in a new 52 universe. It's interesting. But he's I'm Superman. Sure that he's a Superman. Yeah. To some, he's the Superman. But there's also Superman Superman. Which, which, which is the new Super things. 52 Superman. Right. Who's Superman. Mm. Seems confusing to do that. Well, at it's least like the five if they doctors. would have just brought back the multiverse. It's the five doctors. There's a Superman who is basically the second doctor showing up in a fifth Superman episode. And this second Superman is clearly not the same Superman, but he's an, a Superman. It's yes, like but see, at, two least in, at least in Doctor Who, when you have the three doctors or the five doctors or the 12 doctors, at least they're explaining that, hey, something majorly is screwed up and the laws of physics have broken so that we can cross into our own timelines. At least they can explain that. In Convergence, they should have just left that there is a multiverse. And if you want to read about the original Lois and Clark having a kid and living happily ever after, hey, there's a there's a universe for that. It's called Earth 17. But we've had two different series that gave us two different alternate sets of Earths in the space of just a few months. I think the multiverse is a concept that DC has abused. Do you think and they've I've, abused it or they just don't oh, understand they it? They don't they understand how it works it. and therefore they've, they've ruined it. They've broken the multiverse. They've broken the multiverse a number of times. And it's come to a point where I'm actually fine with them no longer calling it a multiverse or hypertime because both of those concepts were set up to be something and then turned out being something else. And nobody really understood what it was they were saying in the first place. I kind of feel like the multiverse is a remote control that you give to a caveman. (laughs) That's how I feel like it's been treated lately. It's a really cool device. The remote control is a really cool device. But you give it to somebody who doesn't understand what it works, and they bash it around, and they ruin it. And then by the time you come back, they give it back to you. It's covered with caveman slobber. That's kind of how the multiverse feels lately. (laughs) You heard it here first. DC Comics covered in caveman slobber. No, no, no. DC Comics <laughs> covered my remote control with their caveman slobber. DC Comics slobbers like caveman. <laughs> At least when it comes to the multiverse. I don't know. I think I, there's a way to fix this. Just, just put them all in their own separate universe. Tell stories. I've talked about fix it before. It. Grant Morrison even did it in his, in his multiversity series. Hey, these are the Earths that are in this book. And right on the cover, there's a circle with the Earth number on it. That's the way to do it. Fixing it is part of the problem. Fixing it is why there's a problem. Going back to the original crisis on infinite Earths, they're like, we're going to fix it. And they fixed it, but they didn't forget. They didn't remember everything. So we immediately had the Hawkman problem. We immediately had the issues of, well, what happened in these stories that no longer happened? So then we had to have the adjustment. Then we had the zero hour, which was supposed to fix it. But zero hour didn't fix it. So then we had the something else that had to fix it. Right. So if They've they would have never fixing if it they would have never the crisis, but if they would have never had the crisis that they would have just said, look, there's a multiverse and there is a Carter Hall from the Golden Age that resides over there on Earth, too. And there's a Cartar Hall 
or whatever that guy's name was from Hawkworld. He resides over there on Earth 27. But the thing about the multiverse was it is confusing. It is complicated. And if you want proof of that, go to any page of Super Dickery that contains a JSA JLA crossover. There's several of them where they're like, why is Superman on this cover twice? Earth one, Earth two. That doesn't help. That only helps the people who are already inured and invested in the universe. Look, the only people that are reading comic books right now, unfortunately, are people who are already invested in that universe. That is not true. I don't see those numbers climbing to match. I'm not saying they're climbing, but I'm saying there are people who do not care about Earth 1, Earth 2 or Earth 17. Then they're not going to go read those. Then they're not going to go read Lois and Clark. Why not? Because that's Superman of another Earth, not the Superman of my new 52. But you yourself said, and I quote, F continuity. We don't need continuity. We don't need it to be Earth. Just write a book, write a story so that people can get it. Yeah. Write a good book. But now that there's two Supermans, you're going to run into that so that you're going to run into a situation where there are two Supermans on the yes. panel at the same time. And they have to say, well, remember that convergence event and the whole thing with the dome and the robot guy and the Telos one that nobody read because it sucked. Uh, then you're going to be right back to where you were with like, this story sucks. Tell me Marvel a good story. Two Spider-Men, three Spider-Women, two Iron Men. Four Captain Americas. They have two Iron Men. They're all bouncing around. There are five different Avengers teams right now. That's because it's a suit. Tony Stark's brother, uh, Arno Stark, the the Iron Man of 2020, is floating around the Marvel Universe somewhere with his own Iron Man suit. Even after Secret War? I don't know after Secret War. (laughs) Secret War hasn't ended yet. You can tell good stories. You can tell good stories, but when you, and you don't have to tell them in continuity, but if they want to make sense for people to why is this Superman that I'm reading, where's his kid at? Oh, you got to go read this other Superman. What does that mean? Then you got to explain convergence to people, and that's not going to make any sense. So then you just say, look at the sticker. This says Earth 3 Superman. This one says nobody knows what the Earth means. I think people have have a pretty good idea. No, they don't. We have two different sets of Earths right now. I know. And that's where you have have society and people are okay with that. Different non-interlocking versions of the multiverse. You have the multiversity version and then you have the convergence version. And neither the main shall tweet. But some of the multiversal you see, that's another thing is some of the multiversity earths are based on the earths from convergence, which were based on the earths from crisis on infinite earths. See, I think that's the other thing too, is Grant Morrison set up a perfect multiverse for DC to use. And then DC's like, yeah. And this was after like, has already published? And then it's like, yeah, I think we're going to go do something different. It's like, okay, whatever, just whatever, 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 whatever. Go read whatever books you want. And I hope that it makes sense to you. Lois and Clark is a good book. And in some ways it's a better read than the regular Superman title. Yeah, that's too bad. No, not really. It's a good comic. No, I mean, it's I'm not saying it's a bad comic. I'm saying it's it's too bad that you have to read another book that has uh, that's not really a I mean, it is a Superman book, Um, but it's not the main Superman that the main Superman book is not telling good stories. And you have to go off onto some tangent book to read that. Well, implying the existence of a main Superman book immediately hybridizes and, and in some ways it ghettoizes these stories that are not tied into the quote-unquote main continuity. So I would rather 
read a book like Gotham Academy, which inexplicably has a guy who looks just like Ra's al Ghul and, and Kirk Langstrom in it. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Then try and figure out the DC Universe explanation for why this guy looks like Ra's al Ghul and Kirk Langstrom. Maybe it's, um, well, everybody has their own doppel. Right. So maybe that's just the case here. Doppler. I hardly know. Rasmus from Sweden says, first of all, I really enjoy the show. Love listening to you in my car, traveling between customers as a home service TV technician here in Sweden. Secondly, I'm a huge Marvel fan and I'm really looking forward to all the upcoming Netflix series, but I'm curious how their take on Iron Fist will be. As Doctor Strange will bring magic to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which will surely be interesting and new, I personally feel like Iron Fist will bring something completely new and interesting to the universe as well with all the insane martial arts moves that come with the character. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, um, I don't know what they're going to do with it. Nobody knows. I mean, uh, there were some rumors that they were going to dump Iron Fist altogether and, and replace him with uh, Shang-Chi, Master of Kung no. Fu. Now they're saying Iron Fist is definitely happening. And now they're saying Iron Fist is definitely happening. Will it be the whole, um, you know, in Daredevil, a spoiler for people that have not um, watched the Daredevil series, there is a character from Kung Loon mm-hmm. uh, in the Daredevil series that they that they name uh, as where she is from. So there's this already mm-hmm. a tie with Iron Fist. Yeah. Um But I don't I've know heard... if they'll I don't know if they'll do the whole magic aspect. I mean, I'm perfectly fine with Iron Fist being a modern take on uh, the old Kung Fu TV series. I think that, and the rumors that I keep hearing, and I don't know if they're official rumors are, there's no such thing as an official rumor. All rumors are official rumors. That is not true. They're officially a rumor. They may be casting an actor of Asian descent to play Danny Rand. Yes. That might be interesting. Yes. That would be interesting because it doesn't really change anything about Mm -mm. the nature of the character. No. I think that Danny Rand's story is a classic pulp type tale. It's one of those things where a guy realizes, oh, my father lived in this weird, strange, alternate world. And then I've gone there. Now I have to come back to the world. I think that it could be interesting, especially if they play up his formal background and his growing up in this weird, strange world. Even if they play Kun Loon as nothing more than a strange monastery on a hill. Having him come to New York and play against, you know, Luke Cage, as established in his Luke Cage series, mm-hmm. and in Jessica Jones, I think it's awesome. It's that that one's a picture, that buddy movie where two unlikely people find common ground. You have Luke Cage, the streetwise mm-hmm. warrior, and then you have Rand, who is this highly disciplined martial artist, and they find respect in each other's moves and each other's attitudes, and they live above a movie theater somewhere in New York. That's awesome. I would totally be okay if they don't even explore the back story of how he got his powers. He just he's studied just martial arts and now he has fists that are un- not unlike iron. Like or, unto a uh, like thing unto, of iron. unto thing of iron. Stupid They're 70s. They're not entirely Super, unlike iron. Stupid 70s uh, dialogue. Um I I don't care if they I don't need to see the mystical side of how he got his powers or the celestials or any of that stuff that they cover in many of the Iron Fist series. Now I understand that for a lot of people who love reading Iron Fist, that that is an integral part. And certainly what was the uh, what was the miniseries that we read? The um, Seven Kingdoms. What was it? Yeah. The Immortal Iron Fist, the seven King, seven capital cities of heaven. Yes. That series where the spiritual side, the mystical side became an important part of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. But even if you read that uh, Iron Fist, a collection like we did on the Major Spoilers podcast not too long ago, 
They don't really spend a whole lot of time on the mystical side. It's more on the, A, my fists are like iron, and I'm going to punch things, and I've been away for a while, and now I'm back. I think that you could just show have him show up, and he's, been, he's a kung fu fighter, and he's kicking butt along yeah. a guy who's a more brawler. And he's they're solving guy. crimes and they're defending the neighborhood. I he's think that's from abroad. And then at the, you know, halfway through the series, he and Luke suddenly discover, oh, yeah, by the way, I have the ability to teleport to this alternate dimension and stuff. I don't even I don't think you even need to put that part in. <laughs> you do. You I need it. I don't think so. I think I think it's going to be you they're do. just defending. I I think you do. I, I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of uh, heroes for hire type stuff. Given how much focus daredevil put into i'm totally a ninja yo you have to have something to differentiate iron fist from just daredevil in another outfit and i think that's that the unfortunate having, part yeah yeah having iron fist have this strange martial arts background this quasi mystical thing again even as it's entirely mundane oh yeah i just mean just a bunch of guys on a hill just flashback to snatch the pebble from my hand and him punching his fist into like sand do and then gravel and then glass the and then the and then the do not do kung putting fu. his fist into the li- liquid molten iron. Do something new. They probably will. That's the one thing that I will say about uh, what they've done so far with Daredevil and Jessica Jones and even Luke Cage that we've seen in the Jessica Jones series. Uh, I think it will be something that will be very unique to this cinematic universe that they've built, but will pay the necessary respect that it needs to the comic books. I mean, Jessica Jones is not a remake of the alias series. It is something totally different and totally itself, but it fits in the world that they've created and pays the the proper respect to the source material. Except that, you know, doctor who's not purple. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, third question uh, from Rasmus says I also enjoy your theme song what a major spoiler however it seems like all the mp3 links for the song are dead I'd love to tell me how you can get your hands on it uh, well it's at the end of this end of this episode so you can certainly edit it out I'm pretty sure, I don't know where you're saying the links are dead I don't know if you're talking about the links at the major spoiler site or if uh, if the links over to um, I forgot his name I want to say John uh, over to his right. site James sorry James uh, if the links to his site are dead there, it's out there. I mean, uh, I can do a search for it pretty quick and find it. So, um, it's all over the place. Um, how can you bag and board your comics with such huge hands? Yeah, I know. What a major spoiler, right? Eric says this is the last uh, comic question this week. Hey, Steven and the gang. Feel like I'm <laughs> got boogie down, down, all right. all. <laughs> like a 1970s uh, group, right? I, I call big medallions. <laughs> I get the big fro. Steven's uh, gonna be up front singing, and I'm gonna be in the back going, Yeah, I want the big fro with the uh, midnight train to Georgia top uh, unbuttoned to my navel Ooh. and the platform shoes with the goldfish yeah. in them. Yes. Superfly. I, I, would you would you rather have? This is not the question from Eric. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rather have? Platform okay. shoes with the, with the fish inside, uh-huh. or would you rather have like platform shoes that have multiple layers of LED lights? That it's only in a single layer. It's not like you can spell something out, but the mm. the colors move up and down like a rainbow array as you walk. Ooh. I mean, there are shoes like that now. My kids have these little light up LED shoes that when you step, they light up. But I'm talking about a platform shoe that has a rainbow of color, seven different layers. And as you walk, it cycles <laughs> up through those rainbow colors. You'd have to keep replacing the fish. 
No. So I, <laughs> what was the show? What was the movie where uh, is it? I'm going to get you, sucker. I'm going to get you, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> where the woman's walking around and the goldfish are dead on the inside. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. I'd go with the rainbows. Simply because the rainbows could be awesome. And plus, when you go to dance to Saturday Night Fever, when there's music in the air, something, something in the night, and you can feel it. Night Fever, Night Fever, ooh, yeah. Boogie Fever. <laughs> That's an entirely anyway, different song. Anyway, Eric says, Talking it up. I'm thinking about starting a small comic book shop, and I was wondering what would your ideal comic shop look like? Mm-hmm. Big or small, just comics or a little bit of everything pop culture related, etc. Also, what do you think about shops? What do you think shops need to do to be successful in our current age of comics? Ooh. That's a that's a lot of question. There's a lot to unpack there. I would say as much space as you can comfortably afford is a good idea. And you really need to have kind of a realistic idea or expectation for what your intake is going to be. Because, I mean, starting a comic book shop, first of all, you have to get in touch with the distributor. Even if you're just doing new books, let's say you're just going to do new books for a group of people, you're going to be setting up an account and you're going to be outlaying money for those books in advance, at least two months in advance. Three months in advance. Three months in advance. So you're going to want to be able to have enough space to display however many books you carry. I think that if you're going to have back issue stock, back issue stock is a little bit more. I mean, I've been to shops where the back issues are on the floor in long boxes unbagged. And that's fine when it comes to your back issues. But you want to have at least some sort of system. So even if you only have like, I don't know, four long boxes worth of back issues, you want to make sure that it's it's something you can access, that they're in some sort of order that you're able to get the people to them to see them and you're able to get to them to manage them. And I think that everything pop culture related is going to be both a curse and a blessing because certain things, there was a time when if you could get hero clicks, you could. That's gold, money. baby. Gold. Pokemon you cards. You got Pokemon cards. Oh, Pogs, certain, my friend. You want to get into Pogs. Certain magic cards. There's always going to be those things that give you the short term boost. But you also, again, are paying for those out of pocket beforehand so that then they sell through to your store. So, <coughs> excuse me. Everything pop culture related is probably going to be a bit much, but it's always nice to have, you know, I don't know, t shirts if you can get them. You want to have the pop culture stuff that your comic fans are going to want to buy. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, and I think that this is 100% serious, you want to make sure that you have enough capital to operate at a loss for at least six months. Oh, a year. I was going to say a year. Yeah. So you you want to be able to be there and establish your client base, make sure people know that you're that what you do, what you have, honestly, in today's market. You might be able to buy a dying comic store. You might be able to buy all of the stock of a dying comic store or, you know, buy into a place where there's a store going well, out. You know there's a store. So going here's out. the problem with that is if you're buying a store that's going out of business, you better do your research. Why is this store going out of business? Right. Are they bad business managers, bad location? Is there something else going on? My is wife and I business to support actually 
it was right around the time that I was getting ready to start Major Spoilers, the website, uh, my wife and I were actually considering opening opening up our own comic book store. And I may have told this story before in the Major Spoilers podcast or in other places, but the idea was it wasn't just going to be a comic book store. It was going to be a coffee shop slash comic book store with some gaming stuff in the back. But the idea was that um, it was going to be it was going to be inviting. It was not going to be. Um, you know, folding chairs and a uh, dripomatic um, a coffee maker in the corner. Mm. It was going to have nice, comfortable furniture. It was going to have lots of wood. It was going to have uh, lots of things that invite everybody in, not just comic book fans. Mm. Unfortunately, I have been to stores where, and if you want to include a game room, which I would suggest gaming be at least part of your shop. Yeah. Um where I go into a game room and it's essentially someone went down to the hardware store and got some saw horses and some four by eight uh, plywood sheets mm-hmm. threw it on there. And that's your table. Um, but I've also been to some gaming shops where they have a very neat and orderly front area. And then they're back. They have nice tables for people to sit at. They have comfortable chairs for people to sit at. Uh, they have a comfortable environment for people to sit in. Uh, it's inviting. And then I've been to places where it's like, Ooh, I don't want to touch anything. And if your store is, ooh, I don't want to touch anything, then -hmm. you're probably not going to have a very good comic book store. There's a great documentary online. We featured it on Major Spoilers about one of the oldest uh, comic shops in New York was closing. And as this guy's shop is closing out, I'm looking, they're showing the space and I'm like, ooh, look, there are stains on the ceiling tile. The ceiling tile is rotted. There is mold on the wall. There is a... you know, tile has come up, uh, the linoleum tile has come up and it's not been replaced. It's like, that's not an inviting environment. Environment is everything. Location is everything. And I think you need a little bit of everything, but you're going to need, as Matthew said, you're going to need the capital up front. Um, there yeah. is, if you are seriously interested in opening a comic book store, Diamond Comic Distributors says, please get in touch with us because they have a new comic um, program, or at least they did in uh, 2006, 10 years ago, because mm-hmm. um, we looked into it. We actually went to one of their meetings at San Diego Comic-Con and, um, you know, it was full of people who were veteran comic store owners and people who were considering opening it up. And they what they will do is they will pair you with someone who has been in the business for a while to serve as a mentor or a person that you can ask questions to so that you can really get a feel for, is this something that I want to open? Unfortunately, we discussed uh, when we discussed it, we realized that, you know, Hayes is a good market, but it would not be able to sustain just the comics alone. It would have had right. to have been gaming and more. Right. And right about that time, Hastings opened up. So there's no needs for books, movies, games and more. So. Um, you really have to figure out what your specialty is going to be. It has to be inviting to everyone, not yep. just a specific clientele. Because again, if, uh, you know, if a girl walks into your shop and she feels uncomfortable mm-hmm. being there, you're losing out on 51% of your customer base. Right. So I think the, the thing that you really need to be successful in the current age of comics is objectivity. Mm-hmm. You cannot base a business on what you love to read because we ran into that a lot was yeah. I don't like that book. Why would I even, I don't want, I'm not going to sell you that. That book is stupid. We actually had situations where people would come in and say, I want to buy my favorite title. And the person behind the counter would start belittling their favorite yes. title. Uh-huh. 
that's not what you got to do. You have to be it kind of uh, an enabler. You want to make things available to people. If, if somebody comes in and you hate Deadpool and they want to read Deadpool, you have to nod your head and go, yeah, here's our Deadpool. And hey, if you like Deadpool, have you looked at this over here? This is something that I really enjoy that has kind of a similar vibe. Or it's called Gwynpool. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> you ruined it. Or, you know, you say to someone, hey, you know, here's some really cool stuff. And here's something that's really literate and well written. You might want to try looking at this volume of Sandman mm -hmm. or, or you might want to try looking at this Rat Queens mm -hmm. or this this Lumberjanes. Mm -hmm. You're offering people things not only based on what you like, but based on what they like. And you have to take into account that the books that sell, sell for a reason. So you have to be able to respond to the books that sell. And then you can still make sure that people know, hey, I really love Bitch Planet. You should check it out. It's really awesome. It's highly politicized and awesome. And it'll be like, oh, poke in the eye, patriarchy. Yeah. But you also, you, you got to keep in mind that that's going to be, once you have people who come in, you're going, they're going to start trusting you. You're going to have to start trusting them in what they want to buy. Mm -hmm. And, and again, it's, you can't start a comic book shop to say, I want this to be a place for me and my friends to hang out. Cause I know that there are people who have started a business, a gaming store, a comic book store, a record store. Uh, for yep. that very reason, I want my friends to come in and hang out with me because you're going to lose money. Um, yep. And then those people are sitting there eight months later going, well, my friends and I like this place. Why doesn't everybody else like this? If you're exclusive, if you're yep. treating it as a clubhouse, it's not going to be successful. It has to be open and inviting to everyone, potentially everyone. OK, and right. I'm not saying that everyone is going to come to your store, but, you know, there are certain things like something simple as establishing your hours of operation. We had this big mm -hmm. discussion a couple of years ago uh, coming back from uh, Nerdtacular where we were talking about a gaming store. And um, and I don't want to throw, you know, our local gaming store under the bus, but it has odd hours. It is open from like 7 p.m. till 1 a.m. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the time I was like, well, that's stupid. Why are they not open at three o'clock so that the kids who are just getting out of school have some place to go and hang out, play their magic, play whatever games they are and do business with you. Well, they don't want to attract that clientele. They want to attract college kids. They want to attract people who are done with their job uh, for the day. And it's like, well, you know, if someone's looking for a game, they should be able to come in at the end of the day at five o'clock and purchase the, the game so that they can take it home for family night. And why are you not promoting family night? Why are you not going out into schools and giving away games mm -hmm. with your name on it so that people know that you're there and they just weren't doing those kinds of things. And it's, and I think it's because it's somewhat exclusive and I, and I think that that's a, that's a bad thing to do. So, well, there's a downside to that exclusivity. I mean, when, when you have exclusivity, when you serve as a gatekeeper, you will limit your client base. Mm -hmm. So if that's what you want, if you want a Studio 54 experience, you have to make sure that your Studio 54 experience of exclusivity is something that people are really willing to be a part of and really willing to buy into. Otherwise, you'll want to make sure that as many people as possible can get into your store and get what they want and, and get out. <laughs> <laughs> Accessibility also does not mean generic, right? Right. Um, 
and and I'm sure you've done all this. I mean, this is I don't remember when Eric wrote this. Um, it's probably been a month or so. Nineteen fifty-seven. Uh, but my thing is, maybe you need to take some time. Another thing you can do is take some time, go around your region and visit as many other comic shops that are out there, and make a list. What do I like? What do I don't like about these shops? What works or what doesn't work in this shop? What do I like or not like? Or what do I, what am I noticing about these things? Go out and survey the competition and then find out if they're doing something that you see as absolutely wrong. Don't do it with your store. Um, way early on in major spoilers. I did that um, as an earlier article where my wife and I went into uh, Northeast Kansas and we toured as many comic shops as we could and I wrote reviews on each of the comic shops. What was good about it? What was bad about it? What, you know, people should avoid. And uh, a lot of people found that helpful. And I think that maybe that may be something you want to do, too, is go and see what works, what doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. Get involved with the Diamond distributors because they will put you in touch with other comic book stores and their owners so that you can ask questions and, and get some further help beyond what uh, what we have. Yeah. All right. Uh, different show this week, Matthew. I thought it was OK. I thought it was good. Did you enjoy it? I did. It was a different show. It always is this time of year. But again, I I like to be committed to where we are producing content for our listeners. I um, agree that Stephen should be committed. 50, you know, as many weeks of the year as we can. Always a minimum of 50 weeks out of the year. I want to generate content for our for our fans and for our listeners and for people who are comic book enthusiasts and want to know more about comics and pop culture and all these good things. And so if that means that a couple people can't be here this week, that's just the way it has to be. But hopefully you found some good information in this uh, in this episode and got some laughs or maybe some tears or maybe you uh, cringed but, up on some of the things. But uh, it's all good. It's all part of comics and pop culture. Cringe. It's cool. No, no, no. I think people enjoy this and and uh, get something out of it. And even and the best part is when you don't agree with us. I like that the best because then people come in with their argument <laughs> of. Um, of yes, yeah, Stephen, you, know, you are totally wrong. No, 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 no. Mostly it's the other way around. Um, yeah, Stephen, you were totally wrong. No, um, but I do enjoy that that interaction that people have. That's why we have the comment section. A lot of you jump in on board the comment section. Uh, you know, I love the comments. It's like, you guys just hate DC. Why do you guys always bash on DC? And it's like, I don't think you're listening. I, it's not that we hate DC. We want we them to be good. DC. We love. In fact, I love DC. We we love DC. And that makes and we us want them, yeah, in to be some somewhat hypercritical yeah, yeah. of DC. I think that. Especially, you know, where we come from, where where our, our comic book nerdery comes from. There's a lot of DC books that we remember so fondly that we can't figure out why they can't do it again. Yeah. And we've talked about that, too. And, and in a couple of weeks, um, maybe after Matthew's seen Star Wars, we can talk about a, a, sp- a specific topic that kind of relates back to this. Mm-hmm. Um, conversation and it'll be a little bit more clear, but we, you know, I want the comic industry to succeed. I want it to grow. I want, you know, people to visit our site and, and do, uh, awesome things and be <laughs> awesome. I want creators to succeed. I want artists to succeed. And mm-hmm. when they sometimes don't hit what we are hoping for, it's somewhat disappointing. And sometimes in many cases, yeah. tell us, uh, angering. <laughs> well, and I have never in my life had an experience where the logo on the cover made a book better or worse. So I don't hate. Oh, that's true. I don't hate Marvel. I love comics and you do, too. And we'll see. you. No, no, that's not how this week's episode ends. Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing on the cover. It's it's all about the inside. It's all about the creators. And and it goes back to, uh, again, this discussion in Star Wars. The director shouldn't matter. 
the writer shouldn't matter. The artist shouldn't matter. Now, there are people that go out there and follow their own, you know, follow writers and artists. And that's cool. And I do the same thing with Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos and Adam Hughes and all these people. Um, but when I pick up a book, I pick it up and I look on the inside. I, I read the book. Mm-hmm. And then when it's done, I'm like, who wrote this? Who did the art on this? Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that person. Hey, this was really good. This was a good, this is what I expect from them or what I don't expect from them. So yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's all good. Uh, But that does wrap it up for this issue. Thank you for listening, being part of the major spoilers experience. Next week, next week, Matthew and I will be back again and we are going to run down our top five comics of 2015. 2015. We're going to run down our top five comics. I hope that there's not a comic that comes out on the, on the 30th because then we're going to be in trouble. No, we'll put it in 2016. Uh, actually, it'll come out on the 31st, so uh, we'll forget about but it. we will we will run down our top five comics for 2015 because we know that you love comics and we do, too. And we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.